All right. Well, I just want to say again, that was a, a powerful time for me. I hope for you as we read those losses. And again, I think the, the idea there is um, we want to be a church that um, can say, yeah, life is hard. And there are real struggles. And we heard a lot of them. I mean, everything from struggles with sin, feelings of estrangement from God, feeling like you're getting old, um, financial struggles, relationship losses. Um, we need to bring all that to the table because that's a part of our lives. And I think it's important that we feel that we're all in that together. And we corporately feel that and we're one body together, right? And so we want to experience kind of a bondedness in that loss as we bring it to Jesus. So um, that's why we did that. That's why we wanted to pray over that. And that's what our Advent series is all about. Right, so we're continuing our Advent series. This is our second um, sermon. Uh, it's, it's about longing. So we just did loss. We're going to transition to longing. And remember, the idea here is that Jesus um, entered into our world. Jesus was God. He was in heaven. He, he is God incarnate. He took on flesh and came into our world. And so there's this affirmation of reality right? There's this affirmation of that we need to be able to go and experience what really is. And this may be weird to think about, but if Jesus was born into this world and came into this world, then we are also summoned to enter this world. And now you're thinking, we already are, are a part of this world. What do you mean? And I, what I mean is, I think we have a tendency to ignore what's really going on. I think we have a tendency to overlook it, to explain it away, uh, to uh, repress it, whatever. But Jesus, because he entered this world, he is God with us. We could say, no, here's where I'm really at. Here is reality. Here's how I'm really feeling. And once we get there, then we can truly worship. Then we can truly live by faith. And we can enter into that reality. So that's what this series is about. Um, and today we're, we're moving to longing because that's part of the Christmas story was Israel was longing for redemption. 500 years, 400 to 500 years of promises by God to restore them to a place of honor and prosperity. That's a long time to wait. It's a long, I mean, we talk about longing, emphasize long, right? And they're feeling it. So I think... Israel probably had a healthy discontent with the way things were. There, there, there was a healthy sense of, God, when are you going to come and change this? Because you promised all these things. Does that, that, does that, that's the essence of longing right there. And we want to enter into that space. We want to get there as a church where we're entering into our sense of, God, come and work like you said you would. Come and work. Because he does. Because when you get there, uh, Jesus brings a savior. So that's the idea um, behind this. So I'm going to ask you guys to dig in. And again, we're doing more digging. Last week was losses. And you're like, oh, that was hard. That was exhausting. I'm asking you to get your shovel out and do some more digging. This time it's longing. What I mean by that is what are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are your desires? What are your ambitions? And like, get real about them. Like going into next year, what do you want to see God do in your life? What do you want to see God do for you? 
sometimes as Christians, maybe all of us can struggle with this, but I think especially Christians, there's maybe a noble but misplaced instinct to deny our sense of desire and dreams, right? Because Christ did say, deny yourself. But I think that we have to be balanced in that because the gospel also summons us to bring our hearts to God. It summons us to lay our longings before him, to seek him and to ask. In fact, there's this scene in in the gospels that I think captures Jesus' posture towards the broken. He goes up to a blind man, right? Common scene. But he asked this profound question that has forever stuck with me ever since I read it. And you could skip it. It's easy to skip, but if you really think about it, it's profound. He said, what do you want me to do for you? That's it. The creator of the universe in the flesh, going to this broken man, what do you want me to do for you? What a simple question that our Savior asks of us. And the man said, I want to see. Jesus didn't rebuke him. That's such a worldly desire. Faith, we don't see by, we, faith isn't by sight. You can't see. It's faith of the heart. It's spiritual. That's not what he said. He healed him. So, in fact, listen to the psalmist. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you see the receptivity that God has towards our hearts? And so that's what the gospel calls us to embrace. Is that now God wants our hearts and his hearts melded into one. To be one with him. Our wills and his will. And so we bring our hearts to God. In fact, Romans, in, in Romans 5, you'll see Paul really using the human language as best he could to capture this. And he kind of makes this argument. He says, look, if Jesus died for you when you were his enemies, he did that for you. What do you think he's going to do for you now that you're reconciled to him? What are you going to do now that he's alive in you? He died when you were enemies. Now you're reconciled to God. You're united in him and now he lives in you. Now what is he going to do? And so there's a sense where he says rejoice in this access you have to God. Stand in it. Pursue it. Lean into it. Don't hold back. In this kind of faux religiosity, lay it out, pour it out to God. And so what we see is there is this sense in which Jesus, and even when we see Jesus doing that, he's saying, don't you know God is your heavenly father? He's not going to withhold any good gifts from his children who ask. What is asking implying? You long for something. Ask, seek, knock. Do you, hear, do you hear the gospel? Do you hear our Father and Scripture calling you to, to get into this heart of yours and start desiring and longing and bringing those to God? So to help us do that, to help us really kind of um, approach our, our hopes and ambitions and dreams and to do that by faith, I want to look at a, a, a 
one of these scenes of longing from the, the, the nativity story, the birth of Christ. It's, it's actually the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. So let me read this. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So barrenness is painful, no matter what context you're in. 21st century America, meritocracy culture, or ancient Israel based on family clan culture. Both painful. But this is, this is particularly painful because the scripture gives us just a couple details that highlight um, how, how difficult this would be, especially for this family. Because it says that Zechariah was a priest and... Um, uh, Elizabeth was a daughter of Aaron. Aaron was the brother of Moses. And Aaron was from the tribe of Levi. The Levites were given the task of, of, you know, ministering at the temple, but only the sons of Aaron could actually go into the temple and offer incense before God to offer the, the blood and to do the sacrifices. Only they could offer the fire for the sacrifices. Very um, uh, exclusive group of people could do this. Both Elizabeth and Zechariah were from that lineage. And again, this is not American meritocracy where it's, you know, work harder, work smarter, and you can achieve anything you want. This is closed off to anyone unless you are born into it. You have to be born into it. And so what, how much pride does a family like Elizabeth and Zechariah have in their children? They're going to carry on this immense tradition of ministering at God's temple. And only they could do it. If you were from that, that group, that lineage. And so imagine the pain of Elizabeth's barrenness. And that's what, just from those few details that we get from that. And so let me give you kind of a, a modern experience of this. And one other thing to kind of recognize about what they say about Zechariah and Elizabeth is they're both righteous before the Lord. The Bible does not give that compliment easily. This, Elizabeth and Zechariah are for real. They are truly devoted to God. But barren. Ouch. Given their whole lives to God, they have the right lineage, can't have kids. And so here's a modern experience of this uh, from, from Kate Bowler, she wrote a book called No Cure for Being Human. And she tells, it's a memoir about her getting cancer in her 30s. She has a rising career. She went to an Ivy League school. She's got a family at home. Things are just going great for her. And she gets cancer. Here's what she says. The American admiration for bootstrappers and optimists became a capitalist paradise Everyone is now a televangelist of the gospel of good, better, best. Harness your mind to change your circumstances. The salvation of health and wealth and happiness is only a decision away. Will you finally let it save you? But I cannot outwork or outpace or outpray my cancer. 
I can't dispel it with a can-do attitude. Here's what I think she's saying. And I love, again, I love the title of her book, No Cure for Being Human. Because what she's saying is, no matter how hard you try, how faithful you are to God, life will not work out for you in some profound way. In some profound way, we will all experience deep disappointment. And so it creates this gap. All of us feel it. There's this gap of what we long for and what is reality. And in that gap is our longing. And there's a great pain in that. But there's also a power to it. So I want us to see what happens with Elizabeth and Zechariah. So we find out that they're barren. That's sad. But Zechariah is still a priest. So he serves in the temple when it's his time. And he's serving in the temple and he's burning incense. And then this happens. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And so what we see here is that in their grief, what were they doing about her barrenness? They were praying. They were drawing near to God. They weren't um, moving in anger or bitterness away from God. They were bringing their prayer to God for a baby. They wanted a baby. A very temporal, personal prayer. And I love that the angel says, God has heard your prayer. No rebuke for not having their identity in the kingdom instead of having a baby. No rebuke for her as a mother. Like, well, don't you know God loves you? Why are you so concerned about having a baby? None of that. It was, God has heard your prayer. And so, we see that uh, their prayers were answered. But what I want us to see, though, is that that's not the end of the text. That's not all the angel Gabriel has to say to them. In fact, if you really look at what happens, there is this crazy, mind-boggling convergence of their longings for a baby and God's very will, his sovereign plans. So the, the angel goes on. You're going to have a baby, John, or Zechariah. You're going to have a baby. It's like it could have ended right there. Wow, thank you, Lord. Verse 14. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Okay, I mean, we're priests, so I guess that's important that Zechariah has a baby, or Elizabeth has a baby, we can carry on the line, okay. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink strong, he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Okay, this is kind of intensifying a little bit. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. 
And by now, Zechariah is probably like, what? He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared to prepare a way for the Lord. Now, if you know the Old Testament, and I promise you, Zechariah knows the Old Testament. This is, this is buzz language. This is like eye-popping, messianic prophecy language. They prayed for a baby, and God said, okay, I'll give you a baby, and that baby will prepare for the redemption of Israel. How about that? What a convergence. Elizabeth and Zechariah want a baby. They want to pass on the lineage to, you know, continue to work at the temple. And God says, I'm going to do so much more without prayer. I'm bringing John the Baptist. I'm preparing the way for my Messiah. Dang. So here's the principle. Mediated by prayer, our personal longings will converge with God's sovereign plans. Dang. You don't think God cares about what's going on in your heart? Those aren't there by accident, are they? Look what God did with these prayers of Elizabeth and Zechariah. I want to be careful here does this mean that everything we pray for and long for, God will come true and part, is part of God's bigger plan? And so I realize I've kind of placed myself and I've brought you along with me on the horns of a theological dilemma, right? This is an Advent series and I'm not trying to get into the weeds of how God answers our prayer, but I have to kind of answer this. And so let me add a little theological nuance to my, my principle here. I want to read to you from John 16. 23 and 24. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he said, Truly, truly, I tell you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. The Bible has insane promises about what God does with prayer. Hard to believe promises. But here's one right there. And it's pretty clear what he's trying to say. If you have a gap in your joy, what are your desires of your heart? Press them to God. And so here's, let me, let me say this, let me say my principle a little differently. Through prayer, God will meet your most personal longings in a way, a likely unexpected way, that gives you profound joy in God while simultaneously fulfilling his own plans to bring salvation to the world. I might add that he not only meets our personal longings in an unexpected way, but an even better way. He does more with our prayers than we could ever hope or dream. In other words, through our longings, God is inviting us to believe there is a lot more to the story. And so I think the testimony of Scripture 
And this is pretty crazy, but we have to learn to embrace this. We have to learn to trust this. We have, this is what faith is, is God accomplishes his plans through human agency. And especially prayer. But what causes the church to pray? There's something we want God to do. You guys just want to tap on my brother Devon there. There's something that God wants us, that God wants to do. And so he's poking us. These longings aren't by accident. Give them over to me. Bring them to me. Watch what I'm going to do. P.T. Forsyth, I, I skipped this, but I want to read it. It's better, it's better at this point. P.T. Forsyth was a Presbyterian minister out of Scotland. And he made this statement that is just stuck out to me. It's so powerful. It says, prayer, he's talking about prayer. It's not a power, it is our power. In prayer, we are called not merely to submit to God's will, but to wield God's will. Wow. What a statement. And I think that's biblical. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Ask, seek, knock. Ask in my name and you will have it. Ask, seek, knock that your joy may be full. We, God is saying, wield my will, wield my will. Make my salvation come through praying and I will do it. That is how God works. There is this crazy line. I've been preparing for Zechariah, our next series. I'll give you a little preview. There is this utterly mind-boggling moment in, in, the, in the letter where, or it's not a letter, well, whatever it is, it's his prophecy, where he, he promises the Messiah, the Redeemer. It's this big statement. Then he says, all this will come to pass if you obey me and do what I say. What? What do you mean, if we obey? Are you, are you, he ties his plans to our agency and somehow sovereignly also brings them about because thankfully the Messiah came. But what a statement, what a partnership God has with his people to accomplish his plans. So, this Advent I believe that we are being driven by the Spirit to ask this question this morning. What are your dreams and ambitions for the future? For next year even? What are you longing for? What are you hoping for? What do you want God to do? We need to tap into that. We need to reflect on that. And we need to let that move our wills to press on God's will as our Father to move and to act. We are not just passive recipients of what God's doing. We are the engine of him bringing his salvation into the world. So what are we doing sitting on our haunches just waiting for whatever happens? God is saying, no, long, dream, desire, hope, and then bring him to me. And let's, let's, get, let's get working. That's, and I, I want us thinking about that going into next year. I want us wrestling with that. Taking stock of where we're at and getting ready for what God's gonna do next. 
preparing the way for God to work. You feeling the connection? John the Baptist preparing the way. Let's get ready. What are we longing for? So you have a piece of paper in front of you, a square piece of paper like last time. I'm going to want you to take about five minutes. I'm going to let some time here pass. And I want you to write down a few of your longings and your dreams and your desires, your hopes, ambitions, because I want it to be concrete. Remember, we're talking about Jesus being born in the flesh. So this is the best we could do is just put a little ink to paper, formulate the words, and there it is. Let it be as real as possible. And then after about five minutes, you're going to just hold on to that. That's just for you. Take it, put it in a stocking, put it in an envelope for next year. I don't know, whatever creative thing you want to do with that. But what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to offer them up spiritually to the Lord, not unlike the Magi who brought their gifts to Jesus of gold, frankincense, myrrh, and laid them before Jesus in worship. But what's different is we have a risen Savior who answers. So take some time to do that, and I'll have Miguel play a little mood music for us. Get the juices flowing. So go ahead and do that. All right. Um, You know, something that is, I think, important to keep in mind as we pray our longings is that sometimes those prayers are going to be more like, like with Elizabeth and Zechariah, more kind of temporal, personal, like part of this world. They wanted a baby. You know, sometimes it's it's maybe grand, more grand, more like we want God's will to come in certain ways. We want to see people come to Christ. We want to see God's kingdom in certain areas. So all of that is fair game. And I'm bringing both of those myself into the new year. I yes, uh, many, many of you guys have heard about my RV adventures and a big part of our strategy was we would sell the RV when it was all said and done. And RVs are really easy to sell right now. Unless you do one thing, which we did, unless you paint it. We painted the RV, it's beautiful, but it's really hard to sell. So we're bumming about that. And we're asking the Lord, this is our longing, that he would help us sell it and move on from it. And, and so that's, that's a very temporal, personal thing, but I, I also believe that God wants to move through that somehow. Sometimes that's hard to see. But as a pastor, I'm, I'm also longing to see God move in Solano Church. I'm longing to see God move in the church in general to restore and rebuild his kingdom in our, in our lives through the church and deeper in fellowship, deeper in joy, reconciliation, unity, mission. Just, I want to see us lit on fire for God, repentance, prayer. So many exciting things we want to see God do next year. I'm longing for that.